We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.cam, part of the U.S. Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman. And we have we've decided to just kind of do a pod every day this week because it's the NFC Championship game and we have a lot to talk about. So instead of trying to condense all of that into one podcast, we're just shelling it out throughout the week. So you're welcome. Today, we're going to talk about the Mike Silver report about Brock Purdy's future as the 49ers starting quarterback. I was on vacation when that story came out, and then we had a divisional playoff game to talk about. So we've not gotten to discuss that. We'll dive into that. And then we've got some things that that stood out in a not good way for the 49ers, both in the in the divisional playoffs against the Cowboys, but then just kind of down the stretch of the season, just some concerns that that the Niners need to fix or just some things the 49ers need to fix going into the NFC Championship game. So we'll talk about that as well. And as always, we are sponsored by Cooperage. You can check out the brewery in Santa Rosa or you can visit them at cooperagebrewing.com. You can order a case online. That's right. If you're over 21 and in California, you can order a case of beer. They'll drop it right on your front door. It's the best way to acquire a beer. Or you can go visit that brewery out there in Santa Rosa. You can hang out. You can watch football there. They have the giant projector TV on the wall. It's like going to a movie theater to watch a football game, but there's beer. You can just access beer and watch football on a giant screen. You can bring a dog, dog-friendly place, really good food with their, uh, at their, their food trucks they always have out. I highly recommend going and hanging out at Cooperage in Santa Rosa if you can. Or like I said, hang out with them online at cooperagebrewing.com. Let's talk football. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Okay, so something we haven't gotten to talk about yet, and I, I mean, we'll focus on the playoffs and, and we'll do that throughout the week, but we haven't gotten to talk about the report from Mike Silver that Brock Purdy could throw 12 interceptions in the 49ers' next playoff game and he'd still be their starting quarterback next year and that they're going to tell everybody that there's a competition, but actually there's not. And Purdy's just going to be the guy. And you and I have held off on talking about this 
not about Silver's report, but just about kind of the future of the 49ers quarterback situation because there's been so much like, okay, but X, Y, and Z could happen that changes the whole conversation. So we're just going to hold off. But Silver, who's a well-connected reporter, wouldn't report this if he didn't have it on pretty good authority that Brock Purdy is just kind of the guy moving forward. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that because I was... I was a little surprised because I was under the impression I've been saying that the only thing the 49ers could really do wrong at the quarterback position this offseason is give the job to somebody without a legitimate competition, whether it's Brock Purdy and Trey Lance or those two and a veteran, like whatever, whatever it is, there would just need to be some form of competition. And it sounds like that's out of the question now. And Purdy's the guy in 2023. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you make the you can make the case here that a stretch run of the regular season and playoff games are far more valuable and telling when it comes to evaluating a quarterback than a quarterback competition in training camp or even any preseason game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's it's sort of the way Brock Purdy has played that has made this a pretty straightforward decision, I would think, from Kyle Shanahan. And again, like we talk about how much Shanahan trusts Purdy and how that manifests in the play calling and particularly like end of half scenarios, right? Like Shanahan is as aggressive, if not more aggressive with Brock Purdy than any other quarterback he's had with the 49ers. So like that to me speaks volumes. I think when you hear Shanahan talk about Purdy, not turning the ball over and he hasn't thrown an interception since um, what, since the Raiders game, uh, you know, like he's, he's thrown four interceptions on the year. One was in mop up duty in that Kansas city blowout. Like when Shanahan talks about Purdy's ability to control the ball and not give it away and t- just talks about how important it is and how it's one of his best traits, like that stands out, right? Because the, the type of football that Kyle Shanahan wants to play, and, it, and he's made this very apparent whether it's how they've constructed the team in terms of roster building and focusing a ton of resources on the defensive line to like paying a punter to paying a kicker. Like they want to be a balanced team that relies heavily on its defense and on its running game. And Brock Purdy is sort of the perfect type of quarterback to to do that. And he can also make plays outside the structure of the offense, which none of us really expected he would be able to make because he is more athletic than we all sort of saw or thought we saw in training camp. Um, And even I think players to a man would say, you know, they didn't really see that when he was working as a scout team quarterback either. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, let's like take it back to the 2021 draft, right? And the discussion about Mac Jones and the, and the reason why so many people thought Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones is the same reason that, so many people believe that Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan is even admitted to planning on signing Kirk Cousins in the 2018 offseason before making the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. He wants a guy who's just going to run his offense like Kyle Shanahan in his mind, his scheme is going to be good enough to win games if he can just get a quarterback that ex- executes it right like Kyle Shanahan's mm-hmm. not drying up plays to just allow a quarterback to freelance and um, and, and just try to make it happen that way. Like Kyle Shanahan and 
particularly with, you know, the skill guys that this team has just needs a quarterback to run the offense. And that's exactly what Brock Purdy's doing. Like he's, and he's not turning the ball over while doing it. And they're good on third down and he's earned his teammates respect. Um, so I, I think for all those reasons, it's it is a pretty straightforward decision. And and you know I have these conversations with a lot of people um, uh, about the quarterback situation. It's like, well, you know they they made all they they invested all those picks in Trey Lance. Like, how can Trey Lance just not be the starter? I'm like, because Kyle Shanahan doesn't think Trey Lance is as good as Brock Purdy right now. Like, and there's no right. everything about Trey Lance at this point is hypothetical. While Brock Purdy, the evidence is tangible, right? Like we're we're seeing Brock Purdy win playoff games now. He, not only was he the first Mr. Irrelevant to start a game, but he's the first Mr. Irrelevant to start playoff games. And he just beat a pretty damn good defense in Dallas over the weekend to to get to the NFC title game. So like, and the thing is, d- despite Silver's report, this is all fluid too, in the sense that like Brock Purdy could be awful during the first half of next season. And then eventually Trey Lance ascends to the starting job, right? Like I don't think the 49ers are going to be in a hurry to trade Trey Lance because I don't think there's going to be much of a market to trade Trey Lance. And I also think if they did, they would be trading him while his value was at its lowest, right? Like you're getting, you're not getting a first round pick for Trey Lance right now. You're just not, despite what the 49ers gave up like that, that money's gone. This is like a poker game where you went all in and you lost that hand. And now you bought back at the table and you can't be making decisions wh- whether you're going to hit or raise or whatever you do when you play poker based on already going out earlier because you went all in on some on at a different table, right? Like so to me this is Silver's report is like and he says it, it's pretty straightforward and obvious to me at this point like because Brock Purdy is running Kyle Shanahan's offense, and that's ultimately what he wants. And that's that's really the most important thing. And in Kyle Shanahan's mind, the reason why they went after Trey Lance is Shanahan was going to coach him up to be able to run the offense and then pair that with the physical traits that Trey Lance has. You could be talking about a potential superstar. But now Trey Lance's career has been so interrupted by this injury and Brock Purdy's played at such a high level that still has the 49ers very much in the mix to to win the Super Bowl that that's that's all you want in a quarterback and the and the te- and the evidence is tangible when it comes to Brock and it's hypothetical when it comes to Trey I think so much of the like hesitation with Purdy is that he did go last in the draft and we talked about this uh, last week sometime but He's clearly just better than the pre-draft evaluations said. Right. He just he he can do more than teams thought he could do, whether it's athletically or and that's really okay. So let's stop there. That's really what the big difference is with him and and anybody else that's that's operated this offense. Not only is he processing the offense at a at a incredibly high rate for a rookie, but he's doing things he's he's operating the offense for sure but like you said he's doing things outside of structure that are eliminating some of the negative plays that would make it such an uphill climb for them to score points like we talk about you just you're waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to make that throw into traffic that gets intercepted 
or you were waiting for him to take a bad sack in a big spot that pushed him out of field goal range or put him behind the sticks. And we just see time and time again that it's it's really hard when you're behind the sticks and you don't have Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or whoever to to get back ahead of them. And Purdy's ability to not turn the ball over, to not take bad sacks. He took a couple against Dallas, but I mean, he was under duress the entire game. Those two things, like before Garoppolo got hurt, he was creating more out of structure and not taking as many sacks. It was like, wow, look how much better the offense is when Garoppolo does this. But Purdy's coming in, he's done it just from day one. It hasn't been this seismic shift in the way he plays. It's just kind of how it is, how he it's. I hate this because I want to be able to quantify stuff, but he just kind of like has it. Like when he plays, he plays a position with a fluidity that like Garoppolo just didn't. And I think Nick Mullins had a little bit of that, but he just wasn't like physically just wasn't a a physically as gifted and B I don't think processed as well. So it led to more mistakes. And when when this is where like the the discourse among fans comes in i think because it's not Brock Purdy as he as he measures up to Patrick Mahomes or as he measures up to the five best quarterbacks in the league it's Brock Purdy in Kyle Shanahan's offense and how productive the Niners offense is would they be better with Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely. Would they be better with, um, I don't, I don't, with Derek Carr? Maybe like, sure. Like I'll give you that. But would they? Would they? No, I don't think so. That was not the <laughs> point I was trying to make. <laughs> no, but but you could you could see like, okay, would it would it would Brock Purdy? Here, let me say it like this: Would Brock Purdy having a bigger arm help their offense? Yeah, like no doubt. Would Brock Purdy being three inches taller, help their offense. Maybe. I don't know. But the fact is, is he's pretty damn good with what he's got. And all signs point to, Hey, he got better between the pre-draft process and the first game he started. And if you start projecting that out and it's like, wow, he's doing this as a rookie, which I think gets lost a little bit. It's like, man, if he takes some kind of jump, then I don't see why you would be shooting for an alternative, which is why I guess it makes sense that the Niners right now are saying that he's going to be the guy in 2023. Because what other option is going to make them better? Brock Purdy is on a four-year, $3.7 million contract. It's insane. <laughs> that's also why That's also why the other thing, the other thing that came out of the Mike Silver article was NFL execs saying that Trey Lance would be worth probably a third round pick. That's why I don't think they're trading Lance. Right. Because Lance is inexpensive too. And they invested a ton in him because they like his upside. Even with Lance, their quarterback room is going to cost like $10 million. Exactly. So they're not trading him for a third. No, and look, they, they've <laughs> needed to start multiple quarterbacks in four of Shanahan's six seasons. Correct. So it's not like they, the, the urgency like to get Trey Lance off the team 
just doesn't make any sense to me. Isn't it because five of the six? Oh, 17, 18, 18 20, 21, 21. Oh, yeah. Started two games. And then, yeah, 22. Yeah. So five of the six. My mistake. Yeah. But driving your point home. Yeah. You're welcome. Five of the six. Yeah. Five <laughs> of the six, including three quarterbacks in 2017, 2018, 2020. Did they start three in 2020? Yeah. Bethard and, got a couple starts at the end of the year. Oh yeah, and then and then this year again. Yeah, so like you need you need multiple quarterbacks. Like there's no there's no point in in trading Trey Lance in my opinion right now. Unless some team just just blows your socks off, but then it's right. like then it's like all right, well now you need to go get another quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know? And like they'll probably yeah. they sp- they still probably will get another quarterback. Like would it be stunt would you be stunned if the Niners went and signed like Matt Ryan to like five million dollars this offseason just to just to have a veteran in the room i'd be stunned because matt ryan could only get five million dollars on the open market that would be the shocking part to me yeah but i mean matt yeah but uh okay uh andy Dalton. but but just to your just to that to that point if they went and got like a third veteran quarterback no yeah that wouldn't be surprising at all a veteran who's not nate sudfeld right who who they can yeah potentially have in the mix just because you know, like you need three quarterbacks in camp at least. So, anyway, maybe it'll be Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> uh, the the other point to this is Jimmy's gone, right? Like Jimmy is is out of here after the season, bro. After last season and the certainty that I spoke with that Jimmy Garoppolo was gone, I said there was a greater chance that I would be kidnapped than Jimmy Garoppolo resigning with the Forty ers well, the thing is, barring anything unforeseen I right was now, so wrong. Barring anything unforeseen right now, Jimmy Garoppolo will be healthy in time for free agency, and like, will can throw a football, obviously, and is probably going to be the backup quarterback. I mean, if they get to the Super Bowl, it sounds like that Jimmy might end up being the backup in that game, right? So, yeah, Jimmy's gone. Um, but yeah, I mean, look. They're going to have to give Nick Bosa $35 million a year this offseason. It might be more, but maybe Nick Bosa gets $40 million a year, right? Like he's going to win defensive player of the year. He's up for a new contract. The cap's going to explode over the coming seasons. Like Nick Bosa is going to be making quarterback type money and Brock Purdy making a million dollars over the next three seasons is, is absolutely going to factor into that. So Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with the logic behind being cool with, with Purdy being the starter and the, and the idea that he's done enough to, to earn the starting job going into the off season and throughout training camp. But that doesn't mean I think like, Oh, Purdy's going to be this, this version of Brock Purdy is going to be the guy who he's going to be the rest of his career. He might be, he might end up being a 15 year starter and a really good player for a long time. But he also might be a guy who just sort of flames out like a lot of these dudes do. And Can I, I go ahead. No, I I don't want to keep repeating myself in, in points I've made on like prior podcasts, but like, you know, we've seen Nick Foles like win a Super Bowl and then struggle to to latch on anywhere, right? Like we've seen we saw- Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl and then sort of be nothing. We saw Case Keenum go from being the Vikings starter in a playoff scenario going to philadelphia oddly enough in, in the an nfc, NFC title game, game. Yeah. getting housed 
um, being Denver's starting quarterback that next season because he he was um, he was a free agent and just not really solidifying himself as a starter. And who knows? Maybe if Case Keenum would have stayed in Minnesota, maybe that would have been different. But point here is that like in order to be a great quarterback, you just have to do it year after year. And as well as Brock Purdy's been playing, and to get to this point has been super super impressive. And the fact that the 49ers look like a team that is capable of winning a Super Bowl with a rookie seventh round pick as their starting quarterback is mind boggling, but it doesn't guarantee that this is going to be the Brock Purdy. Who's just going to ride this trajectory into stardom next year. Like that's, that's ultimately the hardest thing about being a quarterback in the NFL is being able to play at a high level season after season. And the only guys who are able to do that are the elite ones. Also it, (laughs) Trey Lance got hurt early in week two. It's not like he sucked and got benched. It's not like he's Zach Wilson. Right. So while Purdy might be the guy going into next year, maybe even maybe even starting the season and maybe through the 2023 season, I'm personally just not ruling out the idea that Trey Lance might still be good at football. Because we've not really got an opportunity to see Otherwise, maybe he maybe he isn't good, but th- we've just not gotten to see either way. Trey Lance came in in training camp. The reason why there was so much hype around Trey Lance early on was because he came into training camp on fire and played really, really well early on in his rookie training camp. And then he kind of teetered off. Right. So like Trey Lance, given his talent, can just do things Brock Purdy can't, right? Like just physically can do things Brock Purdy cannot do, which is what, you know, like Aaron Rodgers in his prime could do things physically. No other quarterback could do. He could flick his wrist on the run and throw it 60 yards downfield into a bucket. Right. Like I'm not saying Trey Lance can do that, but there are certain physical tools that you're like, all right, this guy's, this guy is just on a different level. And physically Trey Lance is on a completely different level than Brock Purdy. And so it wouldn't be stunning to be like, damn, Trey Lance had an amazing offseason. Trey Lance is really pushing to potentially start. But given the way these games have gone, it's going to take like an injury, I think, for Brock Purdy not to be the starting quarterback. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that Trey Lance's career with the Niners is just over. Again, we've seen <laughs> we've seen starting quarterbacks in five of Shanahan's six se- multiple starters in five of Shanahan's six seasons. And there's nothing to say that Brock Purdy isn't is never going to get hurt you know like right he's not a big dude <laughs> it's not like um so anyway so yeah there's i'm i'm open to that me too do you want to talk about the nfc championship let's do it i want to talk about the things that didn't go great for the niners both against dallas and just kind of down the stretch of the year and they're the things that kind of jump out to me when I start to assess this this NFC title game and what what the Niners matchup with the Eagles looks like, there's a handful of things that that really jump out as as things the Niners need to fix quickly. And whether they can or not, I, I don't know. But let's start here instead of just dumping them all on the table. I want to try and go through these one by one. The first one is the interior of their offensive line. I think really got exposed against Dallas. And you brought up a really good point on our postgame pod that Micah Parsons is such a game-wrecking player that it just kind of makes things difficult for the rest of the offensive line. 
because he's like Nick Bosa in that way that you just have to devote resources to him in a way that you don't with most other good defensive ends. But Philly's defensive line, especially on the interior, is so good and so deep that even without a Micah Parsons level player, I think they're going to present the same, if not more problems for the 49ers. And when that happens, the run game doesn't get going. Things get more difficult for Purdy. And we see what the Niners did in the first half. They went like 4.4 yards per play, which would have been last in the league by a lot. Like by a lot. (laughs) It would have been below the Texans. That's how inefficient their offense was. So I don't know how they really fixed that. Yeah, I mean, so to say their interior got exposed, like, I guess you could say, I would say, I just think the Cowboys defensive line played really well and is like much more talented than the 49ers interior. Like we knew the Niners interior all season isn't like this crazy talented group, right? Like you have sure. a rookie in Aaron Banks, you have a guy who's never started at, at in Jake Brendel, and you have sort of a journeyman in Daniel Brunskill who's rotating with Spencer Burford, who's who's a rookie, right? Or I guess Bank, Banks is a first year starter. Yeah. Bank Banks is a first year starter. He's not a rookie. But right. point I being yeah, yeah. Point being like it's not the most talented group in the world. And the Eagles defensive line is is super talented. And the Cowboys defensive line is super talented. And those dudes mm-hmm. were just playing super hard. Um yeah, like one thing that I thought Dallas was really good at and a big reason why the 49ers struggled to run the ball in the first half was that they prevented the interior guys. They did a good job preventing them getting to the second level. Like when the 49ers are running the ball well, they're doing those combination blocks to where mm-hmm. they have two guys blocking defensive linemen and then midway through one of the guys advances to the second level and they get a hat on a linebacker, a hat on a safety. And that is so often what leads to these big runs that they have. And obviously the 49ers didn't have a lot of those runs. Um, So that's going to be a huge thing. Like the 49ers offense is, you know, can dictate terms to the defense when they run the ball. And when they can't run the ball, they become a whole lot more predictable and easy to defend. Um, And even play like play action just wasn't all that effective for most of the Dallas game. Like the, Mm -hmm. the, 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 Cowboys defense did a really good job staying sticky in coverage. And, you know, we, we talked about that, but like when it comes to the Eagles, man, like their run defense, isn't as good as their pass defense for sure. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, Javon Hargrave, their defensive tackle is 11 sacks. Like Brandon, Brandon Graham's still doing it. He, he had 11 sacks. Josh sweat has 11 sacks. Hassan Reddick had 16 sacks. Like th- this is legitimately one of the best pass rushes in recent memory, right? Yeah. Just like to have four guys with double digit sacks, like the Niners only had one guy in 2019 with double digit sacks. Right. And so, you know, like, and even Fletcher Cox fifth on the team with seven sacks. Like that's, that's a bananas Jeez. numbers, right? So um, it's really going to come down to like the 49ers winning on Sunday has to include a performance from the interior off of the offensive line where they just hold their own. Like they're not going to dominate that group. Like Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, Josh sweat. Like those guys are, that's just a really, really good defensive front. 
and the Niners are not going to just bully them and, and move them around. Like I know the run numbers. A lot of people are talking about the running game numbers. I'm expecting Philadelphia to come out and defend the run. Well, like when, when it's a focus right. in a game like this, like they're going to defend the run. Well, it's not going to be, you know, like week 18 or week 16 versus whoever, like, and, and a team spring some runs like did no, this is the NFC championship game. Like it, I'm not, I'm expecting, given all the talent that the Eagles have, that they're going to be able to stop the run. Um, so I, I do think that's a real challenge. And obviously in pass protection, too. Like, those are big dudes who, you know, the fastest line to the quarterback is through the middle, not around the edge. And that can that can be really problematic for the Niners if they get to Rock Purdy. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, like, Purdy was pressured on half of his dropbacks. It was the most. I'm, I got the Jeff tweet. Deeney tweet Brock Purdy was under pressure in 48.5% of his dropbacks per PFF Jeff shout out Jeff Deeney um, most of any 49ers quarterback since 2020 so yep. yeah that's a problem like that's that that the the pressure on Purdy was a big reason why the 49ers offense wasn't as successful um, as we've typically seen and a lot of that too was uh, a product of them not being able to run the ball like they normally do too yeah, and I think I think the other reason it's going to be a problem is Philly is one of very few teams that just has, I think, the players in coverage to just match up against the Niners. Where it's like James Bradbury and Darius Slay are going to cover Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or N'Kobe Dean or whoever, like good athletes down in the box, they're going to run with George Kittle. And it's just not going to be super easy, I think, to get numbers advantages in the running game. Right. Because I think they're going to be able to stack the box and then just go matchups across the board. So at some point, the Niners are going to just need to win one-on-one. And that interior group, like you said, they're not going to dominate, obviously. But they got worked really bad, especially in the first half against Dallas. And they figured it out a little bit in the second half. But can they put together that second half that they had where they were a lot more efficient, both in the air and on the ground? Can they do that for four quarters? Even three. Like maybe it takes them a quarter to figure it out. But I just, I don't think they're going to hold Philly to 12. And if it's if it's a spot where they're getting behind, you know, two, three scores, this is a really, really good Philadelphia team. I, I just... I think it's going to be really hard for the Niners to win if their interior is is as bad as it was on Sunday. You know what I completely forgot looking at it until just now? Do you remember Jordan Davis? Like the yeah. absolutely ridiculous Georgia defensive yes. tackle? Yes. The Eagles drafted him 13th overall last year, and he's like not, not getting a ton of run for them. <laughs> like that's like that's how good their defensive line is like jordan yeah. davis is like their sixth or seventh dude yeah just physical freak and they're like hey eh. first round pick yeah we'll see guy. we'll see we got linval joseph um <laughs> kaiser white if you remember he was on the chargers last season yeah kevin white's brother oh good call is he yes okay that's what um, i was talking mad shit yeah, so like just cut Kevin White, I think. Right, right, right. So yeah, Kaiser White was like 
really doing a lot of instigating when the 49ers and Chargers were having joint practices in Southern California to the point where Kyle Shanahan walked into the Chargers huddle and stuck his finger in Kaiser White's chest and practice resumed and nothing happened to Kyle Shanahan, which was a wild thing. I was standing on the sideline. I was just like, that is, I cannot believe Kyle Shanahan just did that and nothing happened, but that was nuts. That was nuts. But so there, there's a little mini backstory there for you, but um, can't wait the Kaiser White storyline. Yeah. Um, Keep it locked. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the red zone? Yeah, we can talk about the red zone. Uh, Niners in their two playoff games. Let me just make sure I have this right before I say it. Uh, they were four of seven total. They were so three of six. Sorry, four of nine total. There are three of six against the Seahawks, one of three against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know like if there's a broad sweeping statement about their play in the red zone in these last two playoff games, because they were good towards the end of the regular season, but they also weren't playing like the best teams. Um, But they just need to be better in the red zone. Like they going one of three in the red zone in Philadelphia would be pretty problematic. I would think like, I think they need, they need to score. They need to score touchdowns if, and when they get down into the red area, like that's just, that just has to happen. And, and I think some of that has to do with the running game. Um, a lot of that has to do with keeping Brock Purdy, um, f- like ma- having him make throws where he's not under pressure and not having to escape the pocket and do the scramble drill. Because mm-hmm. a scramble drill is a hell of a lot harder when the field is condensed, right? Like in the red right. zone, when he has to break the pocket, it's a lot harder to make plays because there just isn't the same amount mm-hmm. of space available to him. So right. um, they do need to run the ball better in the red zone. And I, you know, I was going through some of the red zone plays that they had. You remember, we didn't talk about this, but like the quarterback draw that they called, or I don't know if they called it or it was a broken play or what, but that was a really weird play call and it absolutely didn't work. Um, I thought so it a hundred percent didn't work, but I got the idea. Like I got the, the, it was one of those things that was so not going to work that like the Cowboys would never be sitting on it. Right. And the Niners could just clear out the middle and. Right. Like memories, if memory in, serves, but... it was a defensive tackle who made the stop. It wasn't yes. like a linebacker. So had, right. had Purdy gotten past that guy, maybe it would have been a touchdown. Right. But the point it was stands... like the Peyton Manning play action bootleg where he ran in a touchdown. Yeah. In yeah. His last year in Denver. Sure. And it took him 10, 10 seconds to, to run the ball in from four yes. or whatever. So it was. funny. So good. Um, yeah, they just need to be better in the red zone. Like one of three isn't going to be good enough. Um, and so some of that's going to be on Kyle Shanahan to to dial up the right plays against the right looks. Um, I'll look up Philadelphia's red zone defense. I also I also think some of it is on Purdy because he's so mistake averse, especially yeah. and probably in the red zone. And he's probably got Kyle Shanahan in his ear telling him, like, do not do not turn the ball over here. Like we got three points that don't turn the ball over that. I think there's a hesitation in that spot that maybe he doesn't have elsewhere. Sure. Yeah. So the Eagles are 11th in the league, allowing 53.57% of red zone touchdowns. Totally. (laughs) Um, 
And so that, yeah, they're a good red zone defense. Um, yeah. Big Juwan Jennings uh, game, I think. Yeah. It Spoiler could be, I mean, that's Cooper's six pack. I mean, <laughs> I say it every week. I'm waiting for that Juwan Jennings multiple touchdown game. But um, so Stephen Ruiz said something really interesting on our pod about Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. And he just does the like early Robert Sala thing where it's like, hey, we're running cover three. Like, see if he can beat it. And that 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 works when you have guys who are going to... The Seahawks did that in the Legion of Boom era. It was just, hey, we're going to go mano a mano with you and you're just not going to beat Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner and those guys. But I don't think this Eagles defense, as talented as it is, is that level of talent. And so we talk about the interior of the offensive line winning one-on-one matchups. If the Niners can get Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey or whoever, George Kittle, to win one-on-one, I think there's going to be a lot of yards for the taking, especially because the Eagles aren't like a great tackling team. Yeah. I could Anyways. I could definitely see that. Can I run two more things by you? Yeah. That I have concerns about? Sure. This goes beyond, uh, not so much in the divisional playoffs, because... It's it's the deep passes that the Niners started giving up late in the year. Particularly against... Um, they nearly gave up a couple against the Saints, but the one Chris Alave one was called a drop for some reason. You remember that? They reviewed it. Um, but they gave up the 77-yard touchdown to A.J. Green against the Cardinals in that last week of the year where he mossed uh, Diameter Lenore. The Raiders had a couple of long touchdowns. Dallas only had two completions of 10 or more air yards, but one of them was the 46 yarder to CD lamb. And it's just like Jalen hurts is really good on deep throws. He's completed almost 40% of them this year. Um, AJ Brown killed the Niners last year. Devonte Smith, their other receiver is really excellent, especially getting down the field. I think there's going to be some shots available for the Eagles. And not saying the Niners need to intercept all those throws or whatever, but they just can't let it turn into a shootout where the Eagles are just getting a shot play on every series. They need to figure out how to how to eliminate that because that's part of what they were so good at in 2019 was limiting those those chunk plays. And they also don't have as rangy a safety right playing free safety right now. Like Deshaun Gibson is just not like the rangy, like sideline to sideline, gonna erase all right. your deep opportunities uh, type of player at this point. Um, I don't know that there's a version of this game where Diamador Lenore like plays poorly and the 49ers win. Yep. I'm like, right I, yeah, I think like he's going to get picked on. Um, whether it's Smith or Brown or like, I, I'm curious to see if. If Mooney Ward gets is shadowing AJ Brown like the whole game, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I would think so. I think that would make sense. But even then, like Devonte Smith is just a tough matchup for really anybody. But I, I think Diamador Lenore could be could potentially be in for it, and like he, or at least a lot of targets. Like if I'm if I'm devising the Eagles game plan, I'm taking two or three deep shots to Diamador Lenore's side of the field, particularly if I can do it in a way yeah. where there isn't safety help over the top and it's just one-on-one. 
Yeah. Um, so that's that's going to be a huge decider in the game, right? Because I think it's going to be it's going to be an incredibly physical game. The Eagles are going to want to run the ball, um, but they're also going to want to take shots. And if the 49ers can successfully defend those shots, that's going to be a huge determining factor in, in how this game goes. And also, yep. like Lenore can't be interfering, like deep, like pass interference on the road. Yeah. On the road, I feel like it's a hell of a lot harder to get past interference calls going your way than than at home. Yep. Um. So yeah, they're gonna need they're gonna need a lot of they're gonna need Diamond or Lenore to have a good game if they're gonna win. In my opinion, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they just try and put a shell over the top and just make the Eagles have 14, 15 play drives and just see if Jalen Hurts can do it. I think he, yeah, I think he probably can. He's a really good player. But I mean, that's that's typically like their ethos as a defense. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, last one, and we can go over this quick because there's not a ton of analysis for it. Mobile quarterbacks have killed them. Just going back to 2019, and mobile quarterbacks are hard to defend. Like that's the advantage of having a mobile quarterback. But what Marcus Mariota did to them this year in week six, granted, Nick Bosa was out, but Marcus Mariota made them look like they'd never defended a, a read option before. And if I'm the Niners, I'm just I'm letting Jalen Hurts hand it off every time. Yeah. Just when that when the defensive end making the decision, just go out for the quarterback. That's and hit him. And that I, I know that's the the general strategy, but I just think you're telling your defensive ends, hey, just go after the quarterback. Let Miles Sanders, if Miles Sanders is gonna run for 150 yards, then so be it. Yeah. There's also I hate the I, I hate that this is the way this is getting brought up, but I guess it has to be said. Like the Charles Amenahu arrest, um, for alleged domestic violence. Obviously, I mean he's he's a part of their rotation. We don't know if he's going to play, but that means Drake Jackson is probably going to be in there. If I'm the Eagles, I'm saying, hey Drake Jackson, make a decision. We're going to run zone read mm-hmm. right at you. And we're going to take advantage of whatever decision you make, right? Like, like Drake Jackson hasn't played a whole lot. You get a rookie out in an island, like that's an opportunity to to potentially be exploited. Like those zone read plays are designed to mess with players like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I'm telling Drake Jackson, go hit the quarterback. Just don't even. You don't have to make a decision. Well, and it's yeah, it's a free hit on a guy who has an injured shoulder, right? Right. So like, you know. If if the Eagles are going to put Jalen Hurts in position to take hits, then you hit him. You absolutely mm-hmm. hit him. And it's not like a I'm not saying injure him on purpose or be dirty about it, but it's it's a reality of the league. Like you have a quarterback who's who's playing hurt like it's going to be a goal of yours to hit him. <laughs> right. Like And that and whether he's healthy or not, like that's a goal to just hit the quarterback. So, um, yeah, that that's going to be. That's going to be a really interesting balance for the 49ers defense to try to figure out. And even it's I mean, it's a balance for the Eagles to try to figure out like what how does Jalen Hurts avail or his health? How does that impact the way they call plays? That'll be fascinating to see. So. So, yeah, I mean, mobile quarterbacks have been a problem for the 49ers for a while. And like. D'Amico Ryans, too, is he going to be dialing up a lot of blitzes on third down, which it seems like he does a lot of the time. 
some of those can really hurt your defense when you have a mobile quarterback and he's able to get outside containment, which which has happened to the 49ers when when they do struggle to contain mobile quarterbacks. So I don't know how much of this is designed running, but Jalen Hurts in week 11. So this is starting in week 11, ran it 16 times against the Colts. He ran it 17 times against Green Bay. For 157 only, yards. Right. Only five times with a touchdown against Tennessee, but that was the game they won 35 to 10. Then at the Giants in a game they won 48-22, he only ran it seven times. But then against Chicago, that game he got hurt 17 times for 61 yards and three touchdowns. But since then, nine for 13 and nine for 34. And that's going to be really, really interesting. If the Niners do get a get a shot on him early, does that just shut down the quarterback running game? Or just make him ineffective? Or less willing to try and stay in bounds on a, on a play where he's near the boundary. No. Yeah. If I'm, like I said, if I, if I'm the Niners, I'm, I'm saying if Miles Sanders is going to, is going to cook us, then, then so be it. You had 13 rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah. It's nuts. They get, they get at the one and they do that play where he lines up under center and they just line up four running backs behind him and push him in. <laughs> yeah. Which I yeah. thought was illegal. No, they changed that rule over the last few years, I think. Did they? Used to, it used to be illegal. But, yeah. I mean, no, it's it's tough. It's going to be a really, really tough game for them. Yeah. But they can win. They definitely can win. But it's, in my opinion, they're definitely the underdog. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Philly's really good. They're very, very good. They're as advertised. Where the 49ers have the major advantage is experience. Mm-hmm. And if like if the Niners at any point, like in the second half, can sort of turn the home crowd, like just create angst in the stadium, then that benefits them. Yep. Right. Like it's when you when you haven't done it before, and then it's like, you know, like I keep going back to the 2011 NFC, NFC Championship game. The Niners were definitely the better team than the Giants. Mm-hmm. But there was a point in that game where, I mean, obviously, when you when you drop when you drop punts or you muff punts, the stadium feels a certain way. And it's just like it's such a unique feeling in sports because a home field advantage can feel like a home field disadvantage when you're in, when you're in front of your home stands. Mm-hmm. And like if Eagles fans are angry at the way the game is going, that's a huge benefit to the 49ers. So it'll be interesting. I hope so. You like that analysis? It'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. My favorite, (laughs) my favorite one. That's all I got. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get Jalen Hurts stats from his last three games here, but it's just not, uh, it's not working. He's thrown two touchdowns and three interceptions since he hurt his shoulder. Are you on pro football reference trying to highlight games? Yeah. Yeah, not working, not working. for me either. Not, not going great. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 kind of a flaw in the uh in the old website here because uh that would be helpful. That would be helpful. Okay. Let's get out of here. Yeah, we're getting out of here. Um we'll have I'm actually I'm actually making a cameo in Santa Clara this week. Oh, love heading, that for you. Heading, heading down there on Wednesday. So we'll have some uh 
Handelkron in the house. Some some in-depth on-site analysis once again. Can't wait. Yeah, be good. Um, all right. Shout out to Cooperage. Subscribe, rate, and Love review. We shout will, out to Tyler. We will, shout out to Tyler. Shout out to both Tylers. Tyler at Cooperage and Tyler at Producer. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. We will we will talk to you guys later and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.